to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, horror fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to talk about two super haunted hotels. One's an inn, the other's a hotel. (laughs) Two haunted places that you can pay to sleep on other people's bed bugs. May I take your bag, sir? We are here today to talk about Ty West's The Innkeepers from 2011 and Michael Halstrom's 1408 from 2007. Based on a short story by Stephen King. But of course, before we get started, Kim, what's keeping you creepy this week? Some exciting news. Nightmare on Film Street is part of this year's virtual Salem Horror Fest. We are celebrating all things Joe Dante with the 30th anniversary of Gremlins 2, The New Batch. That's right. We will be sitting down to moderate the reunion panel with actors Zach Galligan and Robert Picardo, producer Michael Fennell, and director Joe Dante. That's going to be available beginning October 1st at SalemHorror.com. There's, there's, a, there's a whole host of content available for you, and Salem Horror Fest has already been doing some really great interactive horror experiences even before the quarantine. Um, and, and even since, like, we've watched plenty of movies with Salem Horror fans and Salem Horror Fest on Facebook. We've interacted with filmmakers already. Like, I highly, highly encourage you to, to head over to that website. Get yourself a badge and just, like, ring in Halloween this year with their, their incredible online content. Yeah, our conversation will be available starting October 1st. I think it's available through the month of October. Yep. And we will also have the audio at some point here on the podcast for you. It will be one of our Nightmare Alley episodes to be announced, which will be coming up in the season. We're also going to be sitting down with our patrons uh, to watch some Saturday morning cartoons uh, this Saturday, if you're listening to this when the podcast drops. Uh, we, We haven't exactly told anybody what we're watching, but we're keeping it early, you know, noon EST, 9 a.m. PST, depending on where you are. Uh, so rather than cracking open a beer, we're going to pour ourselves a cup of coffee, maybe grab a bowl of cereal and just like kick it preschool <laughs> watching, uh, watching cartoons on Saturday morning. Yeah, that's going to be a little Netflix party event. So we're going to be live chatting with all the patrons. If you want to get in on that, there is still time. That is at patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. And it's open to any pledge level, anybody who wants to support us. Existing, new, whatever. We try to do these a couple times a month. Just a way for us to sit back, watch horror movies, and interact with you guys. It's always such a ton of fun. And of course, it is the last week of September. Not really the end of the world, because, oh no, that means it's the first week of Halloween soon. (laughs) But it does mean that you only have another week to enter our Haunt Your House giveaway. We got over $500 in prizes to help you stay at home and haunt your own house right now. Uh, If you want a copy of the Nightmare board game with the VHS tape, we got it. We've got t-shirts. We've got stickers. We've got Blu-rays and DVDs for you to win uh, just by entering at nofspodcast.com slash haunt. And if you have already entered, there's actually some entries that you can complete 
again. There's a daily click this to enter, which you don't have to do anything but click the button. And there's some Instagram entries that you can complete multiple times. So if you've already entered, there's ways to earn more entries. So enter right now at nofspodcast.com slash haunt. Lastly, of course, October, right around the corner. Join us for our 31-day horror challenge. Every year, Kim puts together an incredible 31 Days of Halloween list. Oh, thanks. Like, hey, these are the movies that we're planning on watching October 1st, October 3rd, October 17th. Uh, and But this year, she's done something completely different, which I think is real, real cool. Yeah, so it's a challenge. Instead of picking exact movies, I have chosen a keyword or a theme. And so every day we're going to be watching a different movie, maybe. Uh, day one is Autumn Leaves. So you have to watch a horror film with an autumn autumn feel, either set in the woods, like Evil Dead or Cabin in the Woods or The Blair Witch Project or something yeah. that has got a really cool fall autumn feel, like Halloween from 1978 is always a classic. You can watch that any day. Um you gotta, you gotta be real careful though, because like any Halloween movie, I think will like any movie set on Halloween will cover, will check almost all of these boxes. But you know, if you watch all of those in the first week or two, you gotta. What are you gonna watch on Halloween night? Yeah, what do you, well, what are you gonna watch on Halloween night? What are you gonna watch on October twenty seventh when it's uh, trick or treater night? You gotta, you gotta watch a movie where somebody's wearing a costume. That's gonna be tough. You gotta plan this out. That's that's what makes it a challenge. <laughs> to follow along the hashtag 31 Day Horror Challenge, we want to see what you're watching. We want to see your plans for movies, your recommendations. Our contributors are going to be dropping tons of fun recommendations for each of the themes all throughout October at nofspodcast.com. If you want to grab the graphic, it is available on our Instagram page at instagram.com slash nightmareonfilmstreet. It is also on our website, nofspodcast.com. Just search the Halloween Horror Challenge. It should be on the homepage too as well. Um, but you can grab that image. You can follow along, use the hashtag. It's going to be such a fun October. We're also going to be giving away some DVDs and Ooh. some Blu-rays and stuff for people participating. So it's just a fun way for us to celebrate Halloween this year remotely and do something fun. I think a challenge is such a great idea to get in the spirit all October long. It's the best time of year, right? Like, oh, you get to wear a nice light jacket, maybe a sweater outside, the sun's still beating down on you, and oh, it's perfectly acceptable to force your entire family to watch horror movies all day, every day, for a month. I got a pumpkin yesterday. It was the highlight of my life. We got three pumpkins yesterday. <laughs> I got a little one that's, like, covered in warts. It's pretty perfect. Yeah, as long as we don't carve them, they'll, they'll last. Yeah, we cannot carve them. You remember that one year that like, we, we just yes. moved out, we got a new apartment, yep. we're like, September 1st, pumpkins, <laughs> baby! And then, like, we found some bleach solution that would, like, get the mold away, but they would still shrivel up and get all gross. Yeah, and then they were all bleached out and weird, and I was like, what did we do to our pumpkins? I went to go pick one up once, I don't know if you remember, and it was so rotten that the bottom was just, like, glued to the step, and I just pulled up half a pumpkin. Oh, God! <laughs> it was, like, something out of, like, Victor Crowley or some shit. It was gnarly. Pro tip, you gotta wait till it's at least cool out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, but you also, oh man, and, have you ever done this where, oh, okay, we only have tomorrow to carve pumpkins, but you forget to bring the pumpkins in? Oh, and then they're freezing! Oh my god, yeah, and then yeah, you're just, your hand's numb, just trying to like scrape it out, you're like, I'm having so much fun right now! <laughs> I love Halloween! <laughs> so that's what we got to look forward to, I can't wait. But all that aside, let's get into it. Let's talk about this week's movies. Let's start with Ty West's The Innkeepers. We need one of those, like, bell sounds. You know, like oh, the... Oh, that would have been like... Ding, 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 ding. Do you know the story of Madeline O'Malley? She was the woman that died here in the hotel. She hung herself after her fiancé stood her up on their wedding day. 
And ever since then, people have reported seeing the ghost of Madeline O'Malley roaming the hallways waiting for her lover. Some say she's even looking to take up a new one. This is our last weekend open, so we've got to find some proof that Madeline O'Malley really exists before this place closes down. I have my microphone so we can make do with EVP investigations. Yes, I'd like a room for the night. Since the hotel is practically empty, we might have a good chance of making some real contact. What was that? with the spirits in this hotel? I can help you do that. What do they want? To live. You mustn't go down into the basement. Under a blanket of blue Just you and I Beneath the stars The Innkeepers from 2012 is currently sitting at a 5.4 out of 10 on IMDb. 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. The IMDb crowd and the Rotten Tomatoes crowd don't get along on this movie. Uh, 3 out of 4 from Roger Ebert and 3.0 out of 5 on Letterboxd. Ooh, kind of a mixed bag there. A little bit. Got some infighting in the ratings. <laughs> I love a good haunted hotel. I, I'm just going to come out and say that yeah, right now. Yeah, like can you fuck up with a haunted hotel press? Never. I never. don't think you can. As we'll prove in roughly half an hour from now. <laughs> and the, the two Shining related episodes we've done. Real good point. You know, I think it's partly because when you see like a classic haunted, one, a classic haunted house or a classic haunted manor, you're not, you, you can't go in there. Either it's condemned or rich people live there, right? <laughs> Hotels, <laughs> anybody can go into a hotel. So true. Thousands of souls pass through these doors every day. Ooh. Some never leave. I had to say some stay behind. So <laughs> there was an extra S in there somewhere. I'm sure you heard it. It was so spooky though. And what... What better hotel than a fucking hotel that's going out of business? Just an empty, old ass, never been renovated hotel. Yeah, and like those spirits have got there. They are beyond time. They know that this is the end of their rope. This is, I think so too. This is their last chance yeah. to haunt. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. This is this is the farewell tour for all the ghosts. <laughs> They're that are never in that hotel. coming back. I'm sad for that hotel. I want to stay at that hotel. I mean, I I'm sure that hotel is real and is probably still in business. True, true. And it probably does not look as hokey on the inside. I, I loved, bet it does. I loved the hokiness. Like, the banquet hall was... Mwah. It's, it's also just that, like, it's... Like, I joke around saying that, like, it's never been renovated. I'm sure it has been. But it, it is very outdated. Yeah, like, I would say the last time it was it was renovated was in, like, the 60s or the 70s. It's the dive bar of hotels. 
full-out wallpaper, doilies, contrasting floral wallpaper to the bedding. The TVs are like, mm, the, the TVs are newer. There's and dust by newer, and I mean like on everything. 91. <laughs> we should find out where this hotel is. It's probably somewhere in like upstate New York, right? Yeah, it it's got that like fun um, small town downtown where it's it's right at like a main intersection so it's almost like a walk-up yeah well, it is a walk-up used to be the only town for hundreds of miles yeah and so like the inn was also the main bar of the town hell yeah it and- gives me like very big like night like niagara on the lake vibes like for us yeah niagara Falls totally vibes. but i think it's just from like oh this is just where all the settlers were like <laughs> they expanded the city here they left all it behind. that settler architecture <laughs> And there's something great, too, in the opening crawl. We get to see the hotel through a progression of photographs. Such a great intro. So we see, like, when it was new, but the photos are really old. And then as the photos start to get newer, the hotel gets older. Fuck, it's a good contrast, it's right? It's great. It's and real good. also, I love a slow, moody crawl for a haunting movie. This movie, this entire movie is slow, uh, is a, is a slow, slow, moody crawl. crawl. Yeah. <laughs> The whole thing. And at some, what's really weird about it is that at some point you go, wow, this is still a little slow. And then it just fucking hits hard. Well, then it does spooky shit, but you're so used to the pacing of the film that you're like, no, you're not allowed. (laughs) How dare you sneak up on me like that? I was not armed for that. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a spooky one. I gotta assume, too, that part of what's carrying us through this movie is just how great the characters are. Yeah, because, like, the innkeepers is such a moody, traditional haunt, and you're peering down corners and doing these eerie things, but then the characters themselves are young and fresh and kind of little wieners. Oh, yeah. Like, Claire and Luke, played by Sarah Paxton and Pat Healy, are so great. I love them. They're they're awesome together, especially Sarah Paxton. She's, like, her character Claire is so great in this movie. My favorite scene is when she's trying to take out the garbage. Oh, it's so good, <laughs> it's too. it's leaking. Oh, it's nasty. But Pat Healy, Pat Healy's really interesting in this movie because, like the hotel, he's also just behind the times like he's already old news like he's got a laptop so um i mean this movie is definitely like it's not set in 2012 i don't think and if if it is then that's even worse because like his website looks oh. like something from 1997 it's like dream host like <laughs> yeah he's, he's got... getting gif banners and and page blocks and he's, he's just... got that geo cities under construction, <laughs> under construction guy. dude yeah man if this movie isn't just like secretly set in 1999 then he is 15 years behind schedule. Yeah, well, and he's a college dropout, and... And there's just so much money in web design right now, I gotta jump on it while it's hot. Like, man, it's getting cold already. Well, and he's designing a ghost website for a hotel that will no longer be yeah, nobody's in gonna operation. It. It's not gonna be able... You're not gonna be able to see it anymore. He's probably been working on this website for five years. It still looks like junk, and uh, he's only just realizing now how much time he's wasted. Yeah, it's crazy that they're still working on it their final nights at the hotel. I guess if they get something, though, it's still worthwhile. I mean, that's what you say. But they are such a great pairing because they are the the literal definition of coworker friends. Oh, yeah. People that you, that you 100% know would not be compatible were they not stuck in a hotel with each other yeah. for hours on end. Yeah, and maybe one of them misreads that a little. <laughs> maybe. But they, they've got that friendship 
and and I'm this is so familiar because like I worked in retail and where you where you're amicable with people you have absolutely nothing in common with and yeah. it's purely like a proximity friendship. It's yep. just like, well, I see you every day, so I guess we're besties. <laughs> you you find common ground. You don't yeah. you don't really realize how uncompatible you are as friends until you hang out outside of work. You're like, ooh. Or you like, you stop working together and then you try to hang out again. And then you just fall off the place of the earth, And you're like, oh, we don't have anything to talk about because we have no like gossip to relate about. Like all you can talk about is work things. Man, I wish my work coworkers and I were smart enough to be like, maybe there's ghosts here. That'd be so fucking great. That would be fun. Any nighttime shift would have just been spent doing that. Although because the hotel is closing, they are the only two staff. And so they have to rotate in shifts. Basically one is sleeping and the other one is awake. So hour shifts there's it's it's very few times where they actually get to cross hang out and it isn't until claire starts to get really scared and forces luke to stay awake that she finally kind of gets companionship yeah most of the film they're off on their own and when claire's doing like the ghost hunting and stuff by herself i'm just like who are you that's fucking terrifying yeah like she is pretty brave oh yeah crazy brave i wouldn't do it no fucking way maybe (laughs) <laughs> probably not I, I would regret it afterwards most likely no not by myself that sounds like uh, you know it's it's no problem to walk down a scary corridor sit in the laundry room turn the tape recorder on but it's when you're sitting there for 15 minutes yeah hearing maybe nothing maybe weird stuff your head's filling with ideas it's that walk back like oh static piano starts playing on its own the fucking sound design in this movie is incredible uh, not not just pff, fucking like every scene, but uh, like Graham Resnick actually is the person who worked on it, who is uh, a person like part of the creative force behind Until Dawn, the video game. Oh, he also directed Dead Wax, which is on Shutter. Like he's he's gonna be making more stuff that you're definitely you're gonna be aware of Graham Resnick's name very soon if you aren't already. And the the sound design that he put in this movie is so fucking creepy it's like uh, it's almost like every scene where they go to investigate ghosts or they're just walking around late at night is like that that scene in lost highway where that that weird guy gives them the cell phone and like all of a sudden you're just like filled with dread and you don't know why i like this movie <laughs> i like i like sound design that just like rattles my bones well and what's so cool about it is a lot of it is especially the ghostly auditory stuff is delivered through headphones. Yeah. So it's a very up close and personal because when you're wearing headphones, that's all you hear. It's right in your ear. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's very front forward sound, the whispers and the static. But then there's moments where where she checks to see if Those are great. If it's in the room or if it's just when she on starts the hearing tape. that fucking piano. It's pretty amazing because, yeah, so when she takes the headphones off, no sound, headphone back on, piano's playing, whisper voices. It's it's pretty fantastic. It's, oh, man, it's so good. They do such a great job, too. And, like, I'm probably, I highly doubt it's as simple as, oh, yeah, we just hit record and then just, like, tweaked it a little bit. But, like, when she's moving the microphone around and, like, you can hear it, you can hear the sounds changing and certain things getting. Like, catching warbles and stuff. Yeah, and, like, some of those warbles get a little louder as we're moving around. Fuck, it's good. It's real good. Um, and ov- obviously, of course, I guess while we're talking about it, like the final sort of uh, EVP reading that they're doing at the end in the basement. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, that's terrifying. It is very. And you really have to get into that scene because if, if you don't let it spook you, then it oh, won't. Yeah. But like it's the scariness is about the time and the slowness and the repetition. Yeah. And really watching the fear on Pat Healy on Luke's face. Definitely. Because you know in that moment that he's so out of his depth. He can't fucking handle it. Like, he is 
dying. Like, he's he's so scared that he can't get up and go is, is what I see on his face, right? Man, that's rough. You really, you're right, though. You really got to be in the mood for this kind of movie. I think it's important to know what you're in for before you sit down with the innkeepers. You can't multitask while you're watching it. You can't watch it right before bed because you're not going to sleep afterward. Uh, but I do highly recommend turning off all the lights and just sort of, like, really letting it take all of your yeah, attention. Yeah, we really like this movie. We've seen it quite a few times since yeah. it came out. There, there are times where I've put it on and it it's completely played through and I've had, I have no idea what's gone on because you really have to, like, sink into the movie yeah so i i definitely don't recommend it as like a, i'm gonna work on this craft well <laughs> while i watch this because who doesn't work on crafts while they watch movies i mean it's halloween time this is craft season <laughs> this is craft peak yeah when you're when you're tired of crafts close the night out with something like the innkeepers there's also a lot of weird weird scenes in this movie right like just yes. like off kilter scenes like totally normal human interaction scenes but they're still just weird there's something about so there's that's actually something i wanted to bring up on this podcast and i yeah. tried really hard not to talk about it last night when we were watching i need to know and in your opinion yeah. your predictions sure. or your your deductions what the coffee the coffee shop scene with lena dunham means i okay so i don't really know that it means anything i think i think partly partly it, it's it's for claire's character right like she's constantly getting these reminders that she's just a few years behind where she wants to be like she goes to talk to lee and she realizes like i'm not doing anything with my life i'm just like wasting away in this hotel that's that's failing around me and i've got nothing to do after this mm -hmm. uh, and then when she goes to the coffee shop like i think the feeling she gets because she walks out without her latte is that yeah, uh, she leaves mid-conversation like did she just like shut <laughs> good, down good for her and though. walk away she doesn't know that woman like why does she have to start giving relationship advice to the barista oh man but like yeah i think maybe part of that is like i don't have a relationship and like i don't have I, I don't have prospects. I don't even have anyone, right? Like, all I have is this guy over here with his weird, curly, <laughs> receding hairline. <laughs> his flip. little whipped tuff. Fuck, that's a good whipped tuff. I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's, like a, it's, it's like a mohawk that you'd put on a baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know what's up with that scene. I think it's just sort of, like, strange. Okay, so you want to hear my theories? Yeah, because okay, so I, I, I got something else that, like, maybe it ties to, but I don't okay, know. Okay, so I have two theories. Yeah. One is it makes it... An off-limits space for her. Oh, so she's got nowhere to go. To go to when things are getting weird. Smart. During open business hours. So she's, okay. she's like, oh, I'm not going to go to that coffee shop because, one, she had a weird interaction with that girl and she probably cannot go back in there. She just refuses to go. I, that's what I'd do. Like, that coffee shop's off-limits now. Two, I think it's one of those further examples that she has no future because she has no future. Oh, totally. There's a lot of, like, the past reaching to the present and the future reaching, like, crisscrossing, like, from uh, from alternate timelines. Yeah, there's this kind of, like, you've always been here thing. But I think that her life has only brought her to this point and she had no interest or care in what's beyond it, like, romantic relationships when... Mm. when um, she always knew she was going to die here, so, like, why even try to exactly. do anything? Exactly. Like, when uh, the barista's talking about love and stuff, she doesn't have any need for adult love because she's not going to experience it. All right. And it's the same as when Luke's coming on to her. It's not even that she's not into him. It's just there's just a complete shutdown. Like, she just doesn't absorb that kind of information. Yeah, like, she's not being polite to him. She's not oblivious to what she he's saying. She doesn't let him down. It's no. just, like, a complete, like... 
she doesn't read it almost and she just changes the the conversation. It's a good She's like it let's is, skip this. It it is a good scene though, where he's just like, I really like you. Oh, I really like you too. Like and it's not like it doesn't seem like pity or pandering, like in that moment at least. Like I think she's just she's taking it as a compliment and thanking him for yeah, it. Yeah, I just think it bounces off of her. Yeah. Because she doesn't have a need for adult love. I mean, it bounces it does bounce back to that that barista scene where like cuz she's talking about how her boyfriend, they're going out on this trip, they're going to be spending time together, but the thing that's scaring her the most is that he's never or that's bugging her out the most is that he's never said I love you. Mhm. I don't necessarily think that's like talking to the scene between Claire and Luke, but in that, like he's he's saying he's what he's trying to say is I love you, but he's just saying I like you. Well, a lot, and I think right? he's trying to let her know or reach out to her one because he's been drinking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Two because their business relationship is coming to an end. They're this never is... going to see each other again. Exactly. Yeah. So if he doesn't make a connection beyond we are coworkers, then this relationship will fizzle out. Yep. Yeah. The only thing that interests her is the exploration of ghosts, which yes. is ultimately what leads her to her demise. Well, and that's ultimately her calling. Spoiler alert. That's who she's about to become. Yeah. Well, because she she goes to fucking Lee, and Lee's just like, there's three ghosts in this hotel. We only know about one, initially. Madeline O'Malley. The, oh, first off, great name for a ghost. God damn, is that a good name for a, she should a also, fucking ghost bride? She should also have her own proprietary rum. Oh, <laughs> Madeline O'Malley rum? Yeah. So, by like, the, one of the reasons I also or like Pilsner. This, <laughs> one of the reasons I really like this movie, uh, which comes back to your Pilsner, uh, and specifically the hotel, uh, when, I, when I talk about it reminding me of uh, Niagara Falls, at least on the Canadian side, there is a lot of old houses and old hotels inns that really look very similar to the Yankee Peddler Inn. Specifically, there is a small inn slash bar in the, the historic area of Niagara Falls uh, called the Old Angel Inn. And the story is that one of the British troops... It's true story, John. It's a total true story. He was hiding out in the basement of the Old Angel Inn. Just and like Madeline O'Malley. Just like Madeline That's I was thinking about that, too. <laughs> and he, he heard the, I don't know, opposing forces <laughs> come I in. I think it was the Americans. <laughs> Maybe. You're probably right. And so it was the British versus the Americans, right? This was a, It was a British fort town. I mean, we were technically British until, like, what, 1963? You know, all of us. So, um, uh, British. British. He had nowhere else to go but inside one of the... Pickle barrels. No, it was, it was a beer barrel. Like, he, inside one of the beer barrels that were, they were storing whatever beer. Now, this is a very convenient story given that the Old Angel Inn makes their own beer. <laughs> I just want to point that out. It was out. probably actually a pickle barrel. But they, uh, the, you know, the, when the forces came down and they were looking for him, knowing that he had nowhere else to go but inside... Inside the barrels, they started to turn the spouts, and, you know, beer was flowing out onto the floor until they reached one where there was no beer. It was empty, so they stabbed it with their bayonets, and out the spout came blood. So good! It's a great story! <laughs> they tell that story to kids in a bar in Niagara Falls in Canada. <laughs> it's posted on, like, all of the support oh, yeah. themes in the yeah. hotel. Yeah, 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 if you're standing around waiting for a drink, you want to read a ghost story, it's pretty great. <laughs> Also, try one of our beers. We definitely didn't kill anybody in it. I mean, some say the beer still tastes like blood to this day. 
<laughs> that is honestly not to detour the podcast so far, but that is one of my favorite places to go because because on top of that story, they also have a statue of oh. David in the women's bathroom. Have we told this before? I have a feeling like we might have. I'm uh, not sure. So I don't know. I'll do it real quick. There's a statue of David in the women's bathroom, and there's a leaf over his private parts. And you, if you lift the leaf, which you can do, an alarm goes off in the rest of the bar. So that way, when the when you come out of the women's bathroom, everybody's cheering or laughing at you. <laughs> Oh, I was good. in there once, and some woman lifted the leaf and ran out, and then I was alone in the bathroom, oh, no. and I was like, I'm just going to wait 10 minutes. I was like, oh, no, but if you wait, then people will think it was you. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh, damn, that's funny. Man, like, is there anything better than a ghost bride? Like, a story of a woman who was just, like, left at the altar? And Okay, now this is a very sad story, let's be real, but, like, oh, that the image... Of, of a ghost bride in a hotel is real fucking creepy. Yeah, because, like, what? How? What? What? <laughs> yeah, like, to me, like, uh, like the ghosts that get murdered and they're back for revenge, like, that's that's fun. But, like, the ghosts that have, like, committed suicide because of sadness and yeah. are now, like, eternally haunting the one place where, like, the biggest mistake of their life happened. Ooh, that hurts. Well, and there's always something, too, with haunted hotel stories that makes this feel... Like it could be, it could be true. It could be real. Yeah. In that the hauntings of any hotel, like you'll always have a ghost that's like the woman in black or the lady in red or the the woman in white because they appear as these apparitions in very like specific outfits. And that's how patrons of room 214 will say (laughs) that a woman in red was walking down the hall at 3 a.m. And then you get a collection of the same reports and they go on, they get filed under like ghost outfits. Yeah. And like, so a, (laughs) a bride is something that's so very categorical like a bunch of different guests could say i saw a bride and that could be corroborated because like we didn't have a wedding in this hotel this weekend yeah right we haven't had a wedding in this hotel since oh my god since that woman died on her wedding (laughs) night Man, we gotta just stop everything we're doing and become hotel clerks. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to do it. Just to tell ghost stories to the patrons that come in, right? I was also about that little organizer behind the desk with all the keys in it. Yeah. I feel like that could be our calling. <laughs> Polishing brass keys. You know, for a long time, I had this obsession with taking photos of of old mailboxes and key slots uh, in in like old buildings, in, including hotels. That I we've used been to, to take photos of weird carpets. Oh my god, Kim, we're about to die in a hotel. <laughs> Recording our own podcast. We can never flip over to doing live stuff anywhere on location because that that's how you know. It's, it's the end of I think we should run. do a haunted hotel tour. Okay, so Kim is accepting the call of the afterlife. <laughs> oh, man. Lee is such an interesting character in this movie. I, I love when we first see her, like the interaction between her and Claire when she just wants the fucking towels. She's a surprisingly refreshing woman who also definitely has her own demons. Yeah, she's got. A, she's a real person is, is the thing, right? Like, she's she is very nice. She's also... Uh, a little catty sometimes, I guess. Catty's not the right word for it. Um, but I think she wears her age well, too, because she knows enough would... about herself to apologize for behavior that she knows she's prone to, okay. which is, like, such a sign of, like, a woman who's 
been through life. Yeah, and understands herself. Yeah, and even the the moment when Claire wakes her up in the middle of the night when you're like, what the fuck are you doing in a that guest is, room? Oh, boy. I was so upset. There's a, a lot of moments where I'm upset at Claire. But <laughs> in that moment, when Lee's like, is there a bottle of vodka left? And she drinks these tiny little bottles of vodka. Only tiny everywhere. little bottles of vodka, yeah. And you can just tell that like she's a functioning alcoholic. Like yeah. she needs to drink a little bit of vodka just to like function. It's real good. It's a it's a great small little detail. And like maybe that's also why she was a little crass with her occasionally. Like maybe she was just in between drinks. You don't necessarily know. But you also would not stop talking about how good her skin was. Let's, she has let's such just good be real. Skin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I dream of my skin looking like that when I'm older. That's why I stay out of the sun. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> And also it gives me hives. <laughs> also, I'm a vampire bat. <laughs> uh, so the other moment I was going to talk about with Lee and Claire. Yeah, which that, I think is what I was bringing this up for, but completely derailed us uh, again. Yeah, It was maybe the most stressful moment of the movie for me. Okay. When Lee first checks in and she doesn't have any towels in her room. Yeah. And Claire, knowing, that, knowing Lee from like her previous work as an actress, is super flustered and like fangirly over her she comes to bring up her towels and she stays in the room far too long all she needed to do was drop the towels and and get the fuck out she does not put the towels down even after lee tips her and she tries to leave the room with the towels she fucking tipped her for towels they forgot to give her and that she almost didn't put back down (laughs) i was so stressed out i was just like claire put the towels down Claire, please put the towels down. Yeah, I know. I, I really love that scene. It seems like such a human interaction. Like, you know, unfortunately, like it's 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 got tons of anxiety all over it. But it does feel like very grounded in who these characters are. Like you like as much as as Lee proves to be a much nicer and more helpful person, like, you know, enough about her in that scene to really understand who she is. Mm-hmm. And, and Claire's so like naive and also She's almost unobservant of, like, other emotions and reading the room. Yeah. So she's very forward with all of her interactions. She's realistically the opposite of Lee. Like, the way you say that. Like, Lee is so in tune with things. And she's very good at, like, not necessarily reading situations, but, like, reading rooms and, like, reading the energy of what's happening Mm -hmm. there. She is the polar opposite of Claire. And partly, too, probably because she's just so fucking young. I get the sense, though, that Claire is is a little older than how she behaves. Like I have okay. a, I have the the feeling that she should have grown out of this by now and that's kind of where she's reached this weird standstill because you think she's like 29 still 19? No, I think she's maybe like 24 still 19. All right, that's not so bad. In but. that the window to go to college or or do career changes is is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, but she's still in the same place she was when she graduated high school kind of thing. Yeah. I have the feeling that she's just like stuck in this perpetual adolescence. That's got to feel like living in a tourist town. But I I mean, if you're going to die when you're 24, it's kind of good you didn't go to university. (laughs) I guess, yeah. Yeah, because one way or another, she would have come back home for Labor Day and stayed in the hotel or something. That's the other thing. Like, what compels Lee to stay in this ramshackle hotel there's apparently something that's relatively close by, the courtyard, uh, Marriott, or whatever, mm-hmm. that uh, is about the same price, not nearly as junky. Um, it could be that she just wants privacy. 
and like this place is going out of business it looks like there's nobody there and nobody's gonna bug her except for oh great the clerk recognized me <laughs> but also probably sh- there's something that just compelled her to go there i right? think there's something yeah i think yeah this this i think this hotel is very much like a game of chess and like all of these pieces are moving around each other uh circling specifically on like this one girl uh and a, and a bride who's who's haunting it yeah i think they all kind of have a hand in it now we haven't really talked about the bride. So the the film kind of presents three possible endings uh, or three possible translations to the endings. One is that, you know, the, the it's in your head theory with Claire locking herself in that room in the basement without her inhaler. She had an asthma attack. She had hit her head. She had a concussion. Yep. She died that way. Second is that this is a faded thing that was always going to happen. And it was it was circumstances that led to her death. The third one is that these ghosts are fucking evil and the bride ate her. <laughs> well, um, when Lee comes back, man, this, this scene fucking breaks my heart. Like Lee comes back. She, she had a long day at her, at her convention. She seems like she's in good spirits. Her and Claire are getting along. She's Hey Lee, how was your day? And Lee smiles back at her. And then fucking Luke, who's had just like one too many beers, which turns out to be, I think, two beers. I know. It's just, just two a, beers for him to be a dink. Just an asshole to her, right? And, but she, in that scene, though, she says that, uh, like, if you've ever experienced deja vu, then, you know, you have the same sort of ability that I have. Mm-hmm. I just maybe experience it in a different direction occasionally. So she it, she feels something before it happens rather than after it happening. Um, so I think she already has a sense of what's happened in the basement when she, especially when she is um, sitting with Claire in her room. With her pendulum. And she warns her not to go into the basement. Yeah. She maybe doesn't know exactly what happens, but she does have this feeling that something terrible happened in the basement mm-hmm. soon. Well, and there's signs kind of telling Claire one or the other, either fading her to be stuck in the basement or to trying to warn her not to go in the basement. When she's doing the garbage scene, a bird gets out of the the second exit to the basement stairs and she locks it up with a chain, which prevents her from getting out at the end of the movie. Yeah, right. Which is like such a terrible nail in the coffin. I love it. It's so good. (laughs) It's so great. I I love it when it's it's subtle too. And it's, it's just... Like, we could have had Lee super-duper explain everything and, like, give us a great understanding of, of the end of the movie when it comes. But like, I love the the idea of just, like, chaos. Like, the chaos that dictates how life plays out. And just, like, the random nature of things that lead almost in a in a predefined path. Like, I like when you can sort of tap into that a little bit in a story and then go back out of it. Like, it's not like... Oh, we figured out the clockwork that defines all of life, but like for a brief moment. It's like you're in sync with yeah. fate or or whatever. You fucking main line in the universe, man. Like that's the <laughs> that that's the line I keep coming back to from True Detective. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's exactly what I think's happening in uh in this. I think it's ghosts. You think the ghosts did it? I fucking think the ghosts did it. The ghosts it. are pretty spooky. The, and, uh, the that fucking guy who kills himself in the same room that the bride died in yeah. and that he's haunting her too or is maybe that, he's also warning her right i think who that's knows? his wife you think so he's the the groom yeah you think that's it's like he spent his entire life regretting that he jilted her and uh and he because came back because she's to be with in her. the room after he dies too so like yeah maybe she was like staring him down when he killed himself yeah Whew. 
the bride, which makes fucking... her even, which makes her even more evil, right? Because you'd think she killed herself over over pain and and anguish that she was she was left at the altar by him. He comes back, kills himself, or even he just comes back to spend the night, and she twists his mind and makes him kill himself. It seems like he was always planning on it. I'm pretty sure he was always I, planning so on it. So the ghosts are very scary. But why Why does she need to kill Claire, right? But they still could be warning her. Even the bride? Even, yeah. Like, she can't help that she's treacherous. Like in Crimson Peak, when the ghosts look like terror okay and they've got a message this these ghosts just they haven't they don't have the skills to communicate so like when the bride appears in her bed and is doing that like terrible terrifying eye thing maybe she's like don't go in the basement but in ghost to natural plane translation it's just like spooky spook i'm a ghost and i'm out to murder you that's real true and like what if the ghosts know that, like, the the line's about to be crossed between living and the dead, and so they're, like, closing in on her to try to be like, this is the moment you need to get out of the basement, but she's already hit her head and she's gonna die anyways. Or maybe she's hallucinating because she hit her head. Yeah, but, I mean, she does see her throughout the rest of the movie, you know? Because they're warning her. Because they're warning her. Because they're good ghosts. I mean, that's... that's Who are terrifying. That's always how I like ghosts to be presented. That's true. But it's fun also, too, when ghosts are evil. Like, Samara is a great, (laughs) great ghoul. Yeah. And I love that when they were like, we did it. We buried her proper. And she's still pissed. She was like... (laughs) You thought. Yeah. Fucking Samara. What a joke. Some ghosts are just dicks. Yeah, and you know what? It is it is real great that that Ty West leaves it a little ambiguous so that way you can read it however you want, which realistically is how people look at ghosts anyway. Either they are messengers from the past, they're warning us about something, they're trying to call attention, they're they're stuck in their own pain and torment, or they're just fucking evil and want to take you down with them. Or they're just shadows in a time loop. Like ghosts are just like a tape recorder on replay. It's good stuff. Yeah. I yes. I like every variety of ghosts. Me every too. brand of ghost is good. I honestly I think it's why I like time travel movies because it's like it's a ghost story without ghosts. Like you know, like ghosts of time. Yeah, like we'll think about like uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban or it Back to like the Future. Sounds like a Pink Floyd song. The Prisoners of Time. The Ghosts of Time. Ghosts of Time. Money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a ghost. <laughs> so are you ready to rate the innkeepers? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yes. <laughs> okay, so what's your rating? <laughs> I'm giving the innkeepers a 3.5 out of 4. I am also giving it a 3.5 out of 4. I knew that. The ghost told me. <laughs> <laughs> he warned me, said, look out. One of you is going to really like this, but it's okay. The other one will too. And I was like, sweet. It's a weird movie because there was, uh, there are, I, I love what it does, but there's a, there's this moment that I have like in like the second act of this movie, every single time I watch it where I go, Man, this is this is a little slower than I remember it being. Every time I watch it. Yeah, I, I'm having fun. Don't get me wrong. Love the look of the place. Love the characters. Lo- love all those sequences where people are walking around just with microphones. But there's it's just like, wow, I really... Like, even though I know how this ends, like, I really hope they stick the landing on this. <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, do they, right? Yeah, and it's a real roller coaster, too, because... And I think it comes down to the fact that the ghosts are really jarring visually and they are placed in such strange moments of the film that you can't settle properly. So like you're watching really low moody bits, but you're still like 
tense. You're still right on it. Because edge. you don't trust that the movie's not going to scare you again. There's yeah. a lot of like cruel jump scares at the beginning of this film <laughs> to basically to warn you it it might be slow but like you better keep your guard up because something might pop through any corner so anytime we're in like an empty room i don't trust the film yeah and it lingers on things too so yeah. like you either expect a jump scare to come or something to happen and then when nothing does you're just like you don't dip back down from that that heightened point yeah you just keep like raising and raising and raising and then you get this crazy finale where the ghosts pay off they are fucking terrifying oh they're like i i gotta say madeline o'malley Maybe like top three ghost designs she's of all so time. Great. Even the the sad old man. Oh, uh, oh especially he's, when he's in the, the basement. The hall, oh. See, the, he's the one that really looks like he's trying to warn her, right? But uh, like we've already rated it. Why are we still talking? <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co. We like this movie. We really do. But let's move on. Let's talk. Let's talk about an entirely different haunted hotel. And not even a haunted hotel, a haunted hotel room. Let's talk about 1408. When Mike Henslin lost his daughter, the afterlife became his obsession. You probably want to hear all about our haunted history. But after years of searching, he no longer believes. So you're saying there's no such thing as ghosts? I'm saying I've never seen one. Nothing would make me happier than to experience a paranormal event. Gerald Olin, manager of the Dolphin. I can just get the key to 1408. In the 95 years of the hotel's existence, there have been 56 deaths in 1408. 56? No one's ever lasted more than an hour. The first victims to Kevin O'Malley. Cut his own throat. From 2007, 1408 is currently sitting at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Wow. Yeah, wait for this. 80% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? (laughs) Uh, 64% on Metacritic and 3.1 out of 5 on Letterboxd. What world is this? Are we in the room right now? Are we in the hotel room? Roger Ebert just straight up skipped it. Wow. I am stunned. Well, don't give away your rating too soon, Kim. Holy 1408 moly. Yeah. Yeah, some some of those, a little high. Those ratings are coming in straight out of the theater, though. Those, you, those reviews are coming in hot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you never underestimate the star power of John Cusack. Of Stephen King. Well, yeah, that's partly it. 
I think a lot, I don't know that a lot of people knew this was a Stephen King thing. Well, what am I talking about? Regardless of whether it's a one-page short story, that's that's on the poster. From Stephen King. Well, I remember it being, like, a sell, because I think I was still financially tethered to my parents in 2008. And I remember, I think, renting this with them? Maybe. And seeing it with them? Possible. I saw it in the theater. Yeah, because I think I rented this with my parents because the first time I saw it was definitely a blockbuster rental. Like, watched at home when it first became available on the home OD. Yep. And, you know, to be honest, now that we've watched the film and, and some of the alternate endings, I don't even know what ending I originally saw. I cannot remember. Well, let's let's table the ending talk. Oh, we know we, we can we can table it, but like I remembered so little about this movie. All I remember it's was It's probably the first time you've seen it since 2008. No, it is. I have only seen it the one time. Yeah, John Cusack and Fire. That's all I got. That that's all I kept in the memory pot. I am a I'm a big John Cusack fan. Are you? I really Okay, well I mean, hey, there's I haven't seen a great John Cusack movie in a little while, but if I'm thumbing through the TV... Really? And, like, Gross Point Blank comes on, pfft, cancel the day. I'm watching Gross Point Blank. Yeah, but... <sighs> I don't necessarily think that affects how I watch 1408, but maybe. I mean, it's possible. Okay, so did you... You said you saw this in theaters. Sure did. I I read the collection of short stories that this came from. Okay. So I was I was ready for 1408. So you like saw trailers and were like going to see 1408. Oh yeah. Samuel Jackson is a hotel clerk, hotel manager in a ghost a haunted hotel story. Of course I'm going to see that movie in the theater. Okay. Now, do you remember how you felt when I- you saw <laughs> the film? I um that was definitely at a time where I'm pretty sure, one, either I was too critical or I was just happy to get out of the house. Like, those those were the two options. <laughs> so they don't correlate with the, the quality of the film at all? Never. <laughs> Never at all. It depends whether I had to fucking walk myself there or somebody was nice enough to give me a ride. Or give you bus money. Yeah, you know, something <laughs> like that. Um, I don't really remember much about how I felt about it. I think I was probably just like, Okay, I I was that I mean nothing's really changed in the in the the years since then, but I was just like addicted to movies. So I think after I got out, I was like, okay, cool. What next? Like that was that was my okay. thought. Okay, follow up question. Yeah, is this the second time you've seen it? No. So you've seen it again? Oh, to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty sure you've seen it since I, I've watched this movie. I I've put this nope. movie on, I and do I'm not sure agree. you've been in the room. I do not agree. I do not. Nope. This movie was on TV all the time for a real long time. Mm. If you were the kind of person who would just like sit your ass down on Sunday and watch TBS, like a, take an hour and a half movie and stretch it into four hours of commercial breaks, that then you have also seen. Oh this man, movie a stretching bunch of times. out this movie any longer is the worst idea. That's the problem. Well, the thing is, this movie is about stretching it out, right? Yes. Like, that's the whole thing. Well, that's, it, that's the ghost's number one move. In yeah, this movie. and it it loops back in ways that are very, very frustrating. Like, oh, if yeah. I had to sit through the looping back with commercial breaks, I'd be like, end his life. <laughs> now, just freeze him. <laughs> yeah. There's plenty of stuff about this movie that I think is good. Unfortunately, I don't know the Junkies Act one of them. Yeah, I like the I like the repair guy who comes that doesn't set foot in the room. Who it just disappears as soon as the air conditioning is fixed. I think that's great. I think Samuel Jackson warning him not to go in is awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the other stuff I like (laughs) is is toward the end. 
Yeah. I like that he is a cynical bastard who doesn't believe in ghosts and writes. So, you know, the other thing is like, in my memory, I remember him going to haunted, supposedly haunted hotels and writing stories about them being actually haunted. And so like, and especially too, because everybody tells him like, hey man, read your book, spooky stuff. He doesn't believe in ghosts. So anything that's like actually ghosty in any of his books is a thousand percent made up. Yeah, the setup is surprisingly brief. They basically only set him up as like semi-successful, leading on not really, to likes to surf and then- But he, he is, is an, a- And then is an asshole. Oh, huge asshole. That those are like the three things they they they're ticking off before they get him into the room. And you're right in that they don't quite they don't relish in the fact that he's a ghost a ghost writer. You can't say ghost writer. He's a writer about ghosts and haunted yeah. places who doesn't believe in hauntings. Like that is a really interesting premise and I wish we could have gone to a couple more haunts before we went to the main haunt or we just went to the main haunt and we learned that in the room yeah he is definitely the kind of person that doesn't appreciate anything and i i think you get that in his wardrobe like he is oh the worst decisions he's also just like a prick everywhere he goes everything is an annoyance everything is in his way he doesn't enjoy anything it's way too hammy like he is too much of a dick what they're trying to present him is like a guy who will not go out of his way to be nice or do niceties like when he's at the post office and there's a kid that's nice to him he's just like Meh. but there's such a put on about it that it just doesn't ring true to me even that fucking moment where the girl at his book signing brings like the one novel he's written like the one good thing that yeah, he's written that he's like, isn't What's just your trash. Name? Yeah, like the, the, I'm surprised that he's not at least just like, oh wow, I'm so happy you. you what did you think of the? Or like he can still be a dick. Like he can still have like, like that. Who crusty do you want to write for? I, I, if it's not that girl. Well, I think he wrote for his daughter in a sense. I don't know. Like he was writing for himself, and then he lost his daughter, and now he is just a shell of a person, and he's just but like spiteful. a crusty shell. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying they do a great job with this, but like, I I get the character they're trying to paint. Okay. And his wardrobe. <laughs> his wardrobe's insane. Okay, this film might have revealed something about myself that I I guess I have to come clean in what? that short dress shirts. I hate them. Short dress shirts. Short sleeve, button-down shirts. Oh, I don't like them either. Are the worst invention in the entire world. Yeah. I I mean, I have one or two of them, but I I wouldn't call them dress shirts. They're just like, this is a loose shirt. I never button it up. It's supposed to be worn around the pool. (laughs) Burn it. Oh, my God. Even if it's so... Some of them do have Hawaiian patterns in this movie, but even when he's wearing the plaid one. Oh, God. This fucking guy wears a, like, logo-printed T-shirt underneath a Hawaiian shirt which is encased in a bad blazer. And like that's oh. that's him cuz he's going to a fancy hotel, right? It's cuz he put New York right over top of California. Like oh that's exactly what it is. You're right. No, it's not that good, John. <laughs> Don't agree with it's me. It's not a good out- I I would love nothing more than to find out that everything came from Junkie's ex-personal wardrobe. Oh god. Oh man, what I love have, to find that out. It couldn't have cuz it was just so schlumpy and it was so ill-fitting on him and he looked That's what like- I'm saying. What if what if that's his like Sunday outfit? Like oh. this, what if this is how Junkie's ex dresses? He's like I'm a writer and it's just like you look like you're going to go outside and skateboard with the 12-year-olds. 
Now, it's going to be really hard to talk about this film because, and maybe this is just, I'm just speaking for myself here. The premise is fucking dope. Okay, sure. Yeah, I'm with you. The, the setup, all of the little nuggets are... Except for the like, my daughter's dead. <laughs> you, oh, <laughs> all of that fucking padded. You mean the stuff no- that makes it a movie? <laughs> all that fucking emotional nonsense. The the crux of the film, like the the setup into getting him into the room. These are all wonderful things. On its whole, the film just like doesn't land for me. <laughs> it's part of the problem that you're looking at this and seeing the tidbits of Stephen Kingy type things. Like, especially, the, like, the cigarette, too, right? Yes. Well, and that's, I think maybe that's the weird thing is, so, I like to think of myself as a screenwriter, and when I watch movies, I am particularly tied to story. Story is kind of, like, my big must-have in a movie, and my, my likes and dislikes really hinge on that, but this film disappointed me in a weird way that I don't normally watch movies, in that I found myself watching what the camera was doing and where the camera was taking the shot from and where the edits were and where we were cutting from and like why were we showing this many vantage points here and what and it really took me out of the film in a way that I don't normally watch movies I don't normally see camera cuts in movies I wish I did I wish I watched a movie like a director because I'd love to be a fucking director someday but that's just not I get I get lost in movies I don't think about the filmmaking process when I'm watching a movie I think about the story this movie I was just watching what the camera was doing and the lighting and the coloring, and it was not impressing me. The the coloring in this movie is yeah. something. Yeah. I don't like it. And I don't know if it's just because, like, John Cusack's face looks best when it's yellow, or yeah, if it's like, just that's the color they wanted. I I like to get lost in movies. I like to listen to what characters are saying and believe them, and... Too much, I was like, why are we shooting from here? Why are we zooming in right now? Why are we cutting back and forth? And There was there were some great shots. There were some fun moments, and they, they were really quirky. Like when we, uh, my favorite shot of all was when Samuel Jackson finally goes to give John Cusack the key, and he gets it from the little Fuck yeah. hotel slot. Fuck that yeah. was wonderful. That was great. They do kind of a similar skewed vantage point when John Cusack puts the key in the 1408 door. Hell yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, it's like straight out of Panic Room. I loved it. Quirky, weird, silly. Yeah. A little out there. <laughs> Side note, while we're still talking about the door of 1408, uh-huh. why was the, the fucking door not the title card? They used fucking Ariel Bold in pure white with no fancy anything for the title card. I don't know what it was, but you just had a chip on your shoulder before we even started this movie. John. You were just like, the font? I don't like it. I don't like a bad font. <laughs> no. And it was, they had a fucking old hotel door and they melted it later in the movie. The what? movie doesn't start there though. They could have played it backwards. It could have been this ethereal thing where they played the melting font back up to 1408 and then we came into the movie. John, there are options here. There are so many options other than Ariel Bold. Maybe they hated the idea of starting at the end and then cut it like two Why? weeks ago. Why? This movie's all about stupid loops. <laughs> okay, alright, whatever. You know, <laughs> I, I seem to recall that same font in Identity, a movie you like that also stars John I Cusack. love loops. <laughs> oh, I like a good loop. I love loop. <laughs> And it's, okay, you know why this is so funny and why it was really hard for me to bring this up? Mm-hmm. 
because I believe in the other half of this episode that we recorded, did we not say like, you can't go wrong with, with haunted hotels. You can't possibly go wrong. I am literally eating my own foot right now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But I mean, like, whatever. They're two completely different movies. And hey, let's let's at least say that somebody said there's a haunted hotel movie and you went, mom, dad, let's rent that one. So you can't go wrong, like regardless of whether or not oh, it's no, a good and I movie. Oh no, I still would rent fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I'm um, not turned off haunted hotels. What like, one of the things that I think makes this movie oh, it doesn't make it interesting. What, <laughs> what sets it apart <laughs> from the innkeepers is that the hotel itself isn't haunted. Yeah, it's just one room. Yeah, which is also something that I think and is, a floor question question well, mark. I think I think I think it's just you know like. It's like that cone the, the, that Edna Krabappel has, that 3D diagram about the grades that dip down the closer you sit to Bart Simpson. Oh, my God. I think it's, I think it's just that, like, if you're in room 1407, 1406, like, things are not the best. <laughs> you know, like, maybe, maybe your alarm clock turns off and you miss, you, you wake up late for your meeting or convention, whatever you're in town for. But, like, you don't die. The walls ooze, but they don't... Yeah. <laughs> freeze and put snow on you <laughs> exactly right um i feel like i'm trying to defend the movie like no. i didn't i didn't love it oh. but <laughs> like, by all means <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i mean there are things i like about it yeah sure and like, oh boy did i really like that scene where where samuel jackson's reaching in to grab that key i could watch an hour and a half of samuel jackson warning me not to go into a that room that was right? the best part yeah, of yeah he's great of the movie but it was it followed maybe the worst part of the movie, which, which was the rest of the movie was the very confused lobby sequence. Yeah, okay, the camera work and the okay, so I gotta the say, the confused lobby sequence. There was a lot of confusing lobby shit. I didn't know who we were following. No, the camera's going around all over the place. It didn't make any. It sense. followed some guy with a top hat who we're assuming is the director doing his cameo. Were they all ghosts? Question. Now, let's say the whole... You said the hotel wasn't haunted, Let's John. say the whole hotel is haunted. <laughs> but this Samuel one Jackson room... isn't real. Lives in the fridge, 1408. Well, I mean, like that old... Because like, that, 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 that crazy rich lady who's putting a baby into a pram that looks like it's from 1898. Yeah, that's not a present day pram. That is not at all. That is a fucking ghost. Or, and also she's checking into a room that was like right beside his. Now, either it's a ghost. Maybe John Cusack's already in the room and he doesn't know it. Because he was, when he's like in there all confused, he's like, what did I have for breakfast? How long have I been here? When did I get here? Where did I come from? You might have cracked this whole thing wide open. He's just always in the room. Either that that lady with the pram and the baby is a ghost. Mm-hmm. Or it was just tapping into his memories because there's a whole bunch of crying baby stuff later and in the movie. And it's a loop. Yeah, it's a loop. Yeah, sure. Loop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, at least I think we can both agree that the haunting starts right away. <laughs> but yeah, once he's in the room, it just fucking goes, right? Yeah, and that's a testament to this movie. It is haunted. What did you think of the ghosts? I really like the girl on the phone. Like, I really like the phone stuff. Like, she is the only good ghost. Does that mean that a ghost called the tech to come and fix the thermostat? Because it's the same voice, right? I Did guess, the tech I guess, even come? It's possible. So there's a bunch of different ghosts. And I'm, I'm assuming we kind of stick with people who have died previously in the house. Yeah. In the hotel room. Whatever. There's one that's never really explained, 
and she appears quite a bit. It's like a bald woman with like an axe. Who is chases... it a woman? I thought it was a woman. Also, definitely a hammer. Or whatever. Chases yeah. him around with a weapon. And then appears on that boat. Like when we go, yeah, when we go in into the that boat in the yeah. painting. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of um, like filmy apparitions of the people that jumped out of the windows. Like who, they're on TV? Who appear yeah. a bunch. But it felt so much like the Twilight Zone ride. Oh, so it's good is what you're saying. What I'm saying is that I want to go. Well, I guess I don't because it's a pandemic. But I mean, I want to want to go on that ride. You didn't like it? You didn't You didn't like when the ghosts were like TV people? Mm. I thought that was fun. Especially after like we just watched the TV with a memory of his, right? Yeah. I don't know. I just didn't feel anything. All right, I did cool. like like in a funny way, like laugh at. Sure. When he's like freaking out out the window and he throws the lamp out there and the, the lamp Blips TV away. fizzles away. Yeah. Like that was funny. I was like, ah, this room's a dick. <laughs> I'm surprised the t- I'm surprised the room wasn't trying to get him to jump out the window more because it seemed like that was it, right? If he just throws more and more stuff out the window to try and get people's attention and everything just disappears into nothingness, maybe eventually he would jump thinking that like he'll just go into nothingness and then die on the friggin' sidewalk i'm surprised they didn't have him jump out the window and then wake up back in the room yeah that would have been pretty shitty but i guess maybe they tabled that idea because it is revealed after a couple loopy loops that the hotel room really wants to get him to commit suicide yeah that's like the room's thing you know the the room does some pretty cruel shit but i think the worst is that it literally lets him have like Seven months out of the room where he literally writes a whole fucking book. He gets back with his wife. He writes a book. He mends the relationship, the broken relationship that he has with his dad. He recovers in the hospital. Yeah, right? (laughs) And then he he like submits the book. And and just when he's like going to check the mail again, they they, they tear the place apart and we realize we've never left the hotel room. Okay, so I like that. I thought thought the choice of the moment where they were like going to tear down this, it was all a dream story one it was too early in the movie and we knew that it was actually all a dream but the second thing was that they chose such an odd point for him to realize that he was still in the room it was just like oh yeah the uh the post office is closed today I fucking loved it though, when they just start smashing shit and tearing walls yeah, apart. Yeah, and then and, like, the hotel's the under hotel's there. And they, still there. When they rip up the the flooring, that and, was like, the best part. There, I was just like, yeah. And then the rest of the hotel room is just like trashed. The rest of the the rest of the movie, right? Like he's in just like the apocalypse, but inside one room. Yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, I and dig then it. They fucking follow it up with one of the be- the best scene of the whole fucking movie, where he sees his daughter again. And he's holding his daughter. I didn't think it was the best, but I thought it was pretty. Let's. Are you fucking kidding me? Funny dark. Like the 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 lead up to it is great. He opens the fridge, and inside the fridge, like, well, we've got a bunch of memories, like where we see that his daughter has has died at I don't know, maybe like age ten from leukemia. Maybe I have no idea. Yeah, leukemia sounds like it's probably sure. <laughs> uh, it sounds like it's sad enough. Uh, you know, they, they he watches her cremation from inside the fridge again. Yeah, right. And then he hears her, and she comes, and he's holding her, and he's crying, and then she dies in his arms. That's that's rough. That was dark. I was just like, 
So dark. Even worse than that, though, when, like, something gets his attention and he, like, wakes up from his grief, his second round grief, she's ashes? And she just yeah. crumbles in his fucking hands? She's just, like, a pile of dusties. <laughs> That's a .5 bump. And then when he's trying to collect the dust of his daughter. Yes, that, and her exactly! Little, her little, like, charcoal skull. Loved like, it. You're like, ooh, did did you really want to go there, 1408? Are you really going to go there? You went there. Oh, we completely forgot about that scene where he opens the fridge because he wants to have a drink, and and, and <laughs> Samuel Jackson's there. That was my favorite moment like, in the movie. Like the Indian in the cupboard. <laughs> and they have a whole conversation. <laughs> and he's just screaming at him. I do love that we cut away uh, at least once to show that it is a fully stocked fridge. Oh, it's so good. Like from, yeah, from the right angle. Yeah, he's just yelling at oranges and yeah, shit. yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's yelling at the tiny little bottles of vodka that he wanted to drink. That, and maybe that's kind of why I had trouble, too, getting into the movie, is that he goes from non-believer to, like, oh, this is good, really quick. The first incidence of the haunting in the room is that the radio goes on, and there's chocolates back on the on the pillow. Yep. And then something happens in the bathroom. Yeah, toilet paper's folded again. The boat in the painting is facing a different direction. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, you didn't see that? Nope. Okay. Uh, but yeah, he thinks that's there's cool. he thinks there's somebody in the room. Yeah, but then the second I can't even remember what the the next haunting thing is, but as soon as whatever that is happens, he's like crazy. He's like really erratic, like he's done way too much cocaine, like he's on a hotel room bender, and then he just is on a tizzy for the rest of the movie. Like, well, the, the, the doorknob the doorknob breaks. He can't get out. He's seeing things. He's seeing his own memories on the television. The person that he's trying to get attention of across the way is him. I like that. Yeah, that was great. Oh, so, okay. So we're racking up things that Kim liked about this movie now. Finally. I have no problem giving things credit where credit is due. Yeah, somebody, he sees somebody attack that guy across the street. And that person is suddenly in his room too and then disappears. I didn't like that. I don't like that person with the attacky tacky. Okay, you just didn't like it the look too, of It was just too, I don't know, it just doesn't go with classy haunted hotel to me. If you're giving me, like, brass keys and, and old-time music and the 1900s lobby, like, don't give me some schlubby person with an axe <laughs> or a hammer. <laughs> That's fine, I whatever. Just, yeah, and I guess I'm, I'm kind of of the type that I don't really want to see the ghosts that much. You know what I mean? Sure. But he's locked in one room, you know? Uh, yeah, so you really got to go places like winter and spring and fall. and Yeah, and they, they, est- <laughs> <laughs> and they establish before he even gets in there that nobody's spent more than an hour in there, you know? And he's like, oh, whatever, I'm here for the whole night. I do love that at some point the clock flips. That was good, and too. And it's a countdown. And it's counting down. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. Good, good stuff. I can't believe when we got to the end of the movie that he actually was having a web conversation with his wife his yeah ex-wife. The, fo- the the laptop got rained on the laptop got rained on it got frozen at some point i just assumed it wasn't working it just so you mean to tell me electronics don't work in the room phone buzzes out radios off the fritz but the laptop the wi-fi signal's good i'll stay there <laughs> i don't give a shit that's more than we get at most actual hotels yeah they feel haunted anyway and there's no wi-fi i see no difference also question about this hotel sure. when he does his very poorly advised black light sequence where he's Ooh, looking for that's a mistake remnants Never of blood do that. No. they don't change the bedspread after every murder <laughs> 
How do you clean up ghost blood? You just fucking throw it in the dumpster. Yeah, but it keeps coming back. Place is also, haunted by blood. Wouldn't all that shit be like in ward of the police? Would they not have like put them all in Ziploc baggies for evidence? No. You're like cut and dry. Another suicide in 1408. Uh, hotel room. You can clean up now. That's kind of actually how it goes in real life. Yeah. Really? Oh, totally. Especially if it's a suicide. They take the body out, and the rest is up to you. Even if it's your own family. Yeah, but I'm sure it's especially messy nope. suicides. Nope. There's got to be some ambiguity at the scene. Nope. Like, the police, nope, they don't handle it. They have to do some detective work to verify that it's actually a suicide. Yeah, but they don't have to take the blanket back with them for fucking analysis. You don't think so? No, I know they don't, because they just leave it all. Like, they, they, they leave it all, especially because it's hazardous material at that point. Yeah. They're not going to keep it. Yeah. Like, if it's a murder, then sure, they will probably keep some stuff. But even if it's a murder, like, it's your job to clean up your house. Like, if two people break into the house tonight and murder each other in the living room, they're not going to tear the carpet up and take it to the police station. That's going to be for us to, to take care of. And then the subfloor underneath that has blood soaked into it, which all has to get cut up and removed, also has to get replaced. Like, it's a whole Can fucking thing. Can you buy, thing. like, crime insurance? Well, I mean, yeah, the insurance might cover it, but it's still your responsibility to get. And first of all, it's not like you can just hire a contractor to come in and cut that stuff out. You have to get biohazard specific people to come. And that's not like covered under social programs, like keep your house free of ghosts. No, it's not. You know, you know, you know, (laughs) you know, it's funny is that there was a period where I was considering getting into that line of work. I remember this. And it was after watching a movie with Samuel Jackson, who was that kind of person. Was that Sunshine Cleaning? No. What was that? Oh, that's got Amy Adams in it. Yeah, that's a funny one. That is a good one. But yeah, I almost did it. (laughs) But but after reading a bunch of stuff, it seemed like most of the stuff that uh, people in Toronto were cleaning up were, well, obviously crime scenes occasionally, but uh, houses where uh, they had been abandoned and cats decided to take over and just become a disgusting uh, feces palace cat stink is not a good stink or meth labs those are the big ones (laughs) i don't know the smell of a meth lab but i also hear it's highly flammable so like oh yeah super dangerous (laughs) bad chemicals yeah i think that's just odd i just assume that anything in a radius of death especially like potentially criminal death should be contained unless it's specific to the trial they would have, they'd have no reason yeah, but, to keep it. But when you're at a crime scene, you do not know, and you have to give up the crime scene at some point. So I yeah. assume that they are taking anything with blood on it or DNA or potential anything. Like, I'm all, assuming the bedspread is being taken. All they really have to do is take samples. They take samples, they take photos. Because the bedspread, like, the, the evidence that you would get from the bedspread is, like, the impressions that are left on it. And like you can't you can't freeze you can't cryogenically freeze the bread spread so that way it takes it the exact same shape as it was when you found it and then bring it to the lab. You just take photos. Okay. I just still think it's really weird that the same, it is, the it same is bed spread. They gave him the murder spread. You can't even just take in the fact that maybe it's just ghost blood? Like I'm sure they replaced the bed spread. It's just okay. fucking haunted, okay. lady. That's a possibility. <laughs> That's an option I was not aware of. <laughs> yeah, the whole fucking room is haunted. They want him to see blood. They want him to be scared. Okay, fine. 
Yeah, okay. But I buy good that. God, he's bringing a black light with him to every yeah. hotel room? No, don't do That's that. That's a no. No, don't That's, do that. That is, that, that is the one thing everybody's talking about when they say ignorance is bliss. It's not about the Matrix. It's about not seeing gross bodily fluids I, on the bed that you're about to sleep in. And I think also watching that scene, and maybe why we've talked about it for like 10 whole minutes, is because we're in a fucking pandemic. Oh, and all we think about. <laughs> of sleeping on top of somebody else's history is scary. Is, Especially when you say it like that. I don't oh. know if I'll ever go to a hotel again now from that scene. From, not because I'm worried people were murdered there, but I just don't, I don't even want to see somebody else's fingerprint in a room where I'm not expecting a fingerprint. Yeah, and then like hotel rooms are just a thing that you got to just pretend like you're the first person that's ever been in oh. it. How fast into staying in 1408 would you raid that mini bar? Ghost time and of the hour. <laughs> as as a writer who's there and can expense it to my publisher? <gasps> immediately. Ooh. Immediately. Oh yeah, getting those $15 peanuts right away. That's exactly what I thought of when he when he was looking at the menus like $8 for bar nuts. And then he opened it up, grabbed the bar nuts and started eating right away. I was like, "Yeah, what the fuck do you care, man? Like you're sending this to your goddamn Many publisher." Bottles of- I want to be the type of person who can pick up one of the little bottles of alcohol in a mini fridge and not give a fuck. I have never not opened a mini fridge and been like, oh, I'm not touching anything in here. Yeah, no, literally anything. Everything is stupid expensive. No. I've never, I mean, I can't even, you know what? I don't think, yeah, no, I've never paid for even a bottle of water in a hotel room. Like, and I've been crazy hungover. You've been tempted, like, $8 or, bottle of Voss water, and you're like, why is this here? Yeah, I'm drinking from the tap, and I'm not <laughs> thinking about it. Why are you here? <laughs> <laughs> Just like hung over on the floor, just pointing at it. <laughs> Don't tempt me, fourteen oh eight. We accidentally put him in fourteen oh six, but it looks like he had a real rough night. <laughs> okay, so the endings of this movie, because there are several of them. Oh boy. Uh, the the ending that appears in the DVD and the ending that I saw in the theater. Mike lives. Friggin' John Cusack makes it. Out. Thanks to the ghost alerting his wife that he's in the room. I don't know if it's... The, no, because he sets the room on fire, and it's just like, in this version, the fire department gets to him fast enough. Because his, well, his wife is downstairs, and she alerts that he's in... Oh, yeah. It's my husband! He's in 1408! And like, 1408? That must be the center of the fire! Let's head there first! <laughs> Side note, they reveal in, I guess, the first laptop conversation he's having with her... That the kid died and he literally just dicked off. Yeah. Like he was like, I live in California now, which is crazy. She's like, are we separated? Are we divorced? I don't know what. And I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. He's got an apartment. Like he full out left her. Sure did. Like high and dry. At least have like, that was just a very cowardly thing. I just really did not like that. There's like a small scene where we see him having a, because as he's walking through the vents, he's looking through rooms and like he's actually looking through like his past Mm. Which is interesting. I like I that. I liked it. It was yeah. okay. There's yeah. one where like his wife is there with the baby. He thinks it's he thinks it's the girl next door. And then uh then the next one it's like him outside. Well, it's I mean, I think the next one was probably like a hospital room where his daughter's sick. But And then his dad, right? And then a conversation with his dad, who I assumed who was real- dead. Yeah. He's really deteriorated quick. Like he was hanging out at that park and then all of a sudden he's in an old folks' home and he can't say his son's name. Well, the book that he wrote his first novel that is like unlike anything else that he's worked on is about like the shitty relationship with his bastard father. And his dad kind of just seemed like a regular guy. Mm-hmm. 
he's his dad's basically like, hey man, what the fuck are you doing? You can't just like you can't just leave everything. She lost a she lost a child too, man. It's like, wow, dad actually seems like a dad. Versus just like I assumed alcoholic asshole who left when he was a child mm-hmm. or something, right? No, apparently not. He apparently he's just mad at his dad. Also, side note, while we're still in the vents. That corpse up there was very nimble. That corpse was great. That was a very fast-moving corpse. Another high point. Oh, and he fucking, he kicks it, and its jaw comes off, uh, and then he kicks it again, and his head breaks back. I just want to give a shout-out to the Escape from Horrorland PC game from the early 90s. There's a sequence where you have to run away from a mummy in the vents. Just like that? It's in the pyramids, I think. It was just like that. He looks a lot like the, I don't know the name of him, but hes he looks a lot like the skeleton on the cover of every Megadeth album. He kind of reminds me of the old boss in Scrooged, the one that's got like the golf yeah, balls. Yeah, sure does. Yeah. Lou. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Shit, we were talking about the ending. Anyway, so he, <laughs> he makes it out. He goes home. He writes the book in like an afternoon. She, she's like, wow, you wrote so fast. Like, I've already written this Have book written. Before. I like that. I kind of liked it. Yeah, okay. I kind of bought it. It's fine. I was like, oh, it's good. It's fine. Yeah, but then great. he plays the tape recorder, which still works, that apparently he was recording the entire time. And then his wife hears the voice of their daughter. She's like, Dan, don't leave me again. And he's like, shut up. Credits. But so he's giving his wife the weirdest fucking look. I wish I could... Like, fucking told you so. Yeah. (laughs) And then the the screen goes to black, and it's just like, you're going to cut on him being a douche? Yeah, it's not a nice look. Like, it should just be like, like he should be dropping a fucking tear, right? Yeah, like, you learned nothing. That's our baby girl. (laughs) I told you I saw her. Yeah. (laughs) How are you going to told you so your wife? (laughs) That you left for a year unannounced. Oh, my God. We're back together, and I told you I was haunted. Theatrical. I told you I was haunted. That's the theatrical ending. That's how it went. The alternate ending, which I've learned is the ending that everybody watches on television, and which is, I think, where I saw it for the first time, uh, and is also the default ending on the Blu-ray, is where Mike dies in the room, we go to his funeral, Samuel L. Jackson, like, tries a little too hard. To give her a box of things. Yeah, just like, no, you don't understand. He did a good he thing. He did a good thing. The room won't open again. And she's like, hey, my husband's dead can you go away <laughs> or tony shalhoub kind of like good guys the situation like hey man let's just give her a little bit of breathing room right and then yeah he he played he samuel L. jackson plays the tape recorder hears the girl's voice uh, and then sees a burnt up john cusack in the back seat was it john cusack oh hell yeah uh-huh. And so, like, I don't know what that ending is supposed to tell me. Like, is it supposed to say that, like, oh, you think... Well, first, okay. The but, room knows no boundaries Yeah, now. like, now that you've destroyed it's the room. It's been unleashed! Yeah, except for the fact that we cut to the room from outside. It's burnt up. John Cusack's in there. He can finally smoke as much as he wants to <laughs> now that he's in the afterlife. And his daughter calls him. He's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. Oh, just one minute. That's right. So now he haunts it, like, nice? I don't know. Yeah, like, is that what it is? I don't know. He burned this mother down, and now it's a good haunting spot? Like, it's the best room in the house? (laughs) Oh, there's a third ending that neither of us have seen, but I- Yeah, we have not seen it. But I've, uh, I found it on Wikipedia. I don't know if it's actually on a DVD anywhere, but uh, it says that um, Mike dies in the fire. Instead of the funeral scene from the director's cut, that's the director's cut, uh, the sounds of a funeral are dubbed over shots of Los Angeles- (laughs) 
<laughs> Lily and Sam sort through Mike's effects. Sam is his publisher. Okay. Uh, Sam returns to his New York office and discovers the manuscript that Mike wrote while he was in room 1408. That's a weird thing. So it's oh. saying that the manuscript that he wrote is real? Is real. Like he wrote it on his laptop, I guess, and the laptop's okay? As Sam reads the story, audio from Mike's experiences in the room is heard. I guess he plays the tape recorder. In a final scene, Sam's office door slams shut, and Mike's father's voice says, As I was, you are. As I am, you will be. What? What? So the dad- That's- Oh, I don't know. I guess. What? Yeah. That that, that ending doesn't make any sense to me. I don't- When he says that thing about rattling, like, we don't rattle, I was just like- Yeah, you kept saying, like, what the fuck is up with that? What? (laughs) Stephen King, Stop! (laughs) <laughs> well, as he's saying ghosts aren't real. Like, so the idea here is that he may, like, maybe he wrote one of these books before his daughter died. But his daughter died. He says to himself, "What God would do this? God isn't real, and if God's not real, then neither are ghosts. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as the afterlife. There's no such thing as ghosts. So that's why he's so cynical about everything that he does, right? And so the 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 you know we don't rattle, we get the job done is essentially like his mantra for saying ghosts aren't real. There is no God. Like, we won't get spooked? Yeah, because, like, it's... Like, we can't it, be rattled? We can't be rattled because it's not real. Like, if I get scared, it's only because people have primed me for something. Uh, and, and I'm just putting a bunch of stories in my head and expecting them to happen or manifesting fear that mm-hmm. isn't really there. Yeah, he's, like, placebo-affecting being haunted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's what he's saying with that. Mm. I still don't like the mantra thing. I'm just not a mantra person. Eh, that's not true. take that back i just i'm not in you just didn't like the movie that's totally fine it's probably a good time to get to ratings maybe yeah fuck uh i'm gonna give it a one out of four i was gonna give it two and then the more we talked about it i was just like "Eh." you can't give something two out of four based on premise alone i liked the premise (laughs) yeah the premise is good i really really like that scene with his dead daughter oh is it good i see i didn't really like it i thought it I get what you're saying and, like, all of the things that you were like, yeah. But I was like, yeah, this is terrible. <laughs> like in a That's, weird... That scene in particular, I was like, yeah, this is good. This is real good. Yeah. Him getting chased in the vents, like, also we were, good. But when we were both watching it, we reacted the same way, which is really funny. That's it's hysterical. almost like, yeah, this is terrible and, yeah, this is great are the same emotion. <laughs> Don't well, let me bring you down. No, I'm not letting you bring me down. Um, okay, this is how I'm going to say it. This is a bad movie. Two out of four. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a bad movie. Two out of four. Okay, that's fair. Man, are there some scenes in this that I really like. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I want, like, to be perfectly fair, 1.75 out of four, but like, that's, <laughs> that, seems like a, that seems like a cheat. So two out of four. I'm really glad we rewatched it. I did remember not really liking it, but I do have a soft spot for ghosts. I will always appreciate a ghost movie, even Hell if it's yeah. not good. Love so a ghost movie. I definitely still had a fun time, and I would recommend you to watch it if you also like paranormally movies shit how do you wrap this up Mm. well that was just our opinion let us know what you thought of 1408 and the innkeepers obviously the innkeepers fan favorite uh between kim and i i don't know how you would react it's interesting i've seen plenty of people online that like 1408 so i'm i'm curious to see what everybody thinks they are two tonally different movies uh, but I think make for a fun double feature. Yeah, I was totally out of the loop on this one. Just to hear the ratings at the beginning, I was like, holy moly. Even I was surprised by that. <laughs> Tweeted us at NOFS Podcast. You can find us in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash horror fiends of NOFS. 
Nightmare on Film Street is listener-supported by fiends like yourself. Head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street to support the show and to enjoy hours of bonus content. But until next time, I'm John. I'm Kim. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.